Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Andy Mackin, CEO of Mackin Talent, you're very welcome to this week's podcast. Thanks very much, Ian. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, delighted to have you. Look, as as with all the other podcasts I do, I want to I want to go back a couple of chapters and begin right where you grew up in Dundalk. From my research, didn't do your leaving, sir. You, I can't remember if you're the eldest or youngest of eight, and you helped make money to feed your family as well. I'm curious, you know, with all that in mind, and you can correct me whether you were the youngest or eldest. What was your favourite part of growing up in Dundalk? Uh, yeah, well, I was the eldest of eight. Um, unfortunately, I wouldn't mind having a few years back now, Ian. That's a good question, actually. Um, I, I just, I mean, I was a happy enough kind of child. Anyway, like, I played soccer from morning, noon and night. There's the old kind of cliche, you were kind of dragged in for your lunch, back out for dinner or back out and then dragged back into your dinner and back out again if you could. Um, mm. So I would say probably my, yeah, my, my kind of early teenage years were probably the happiest time just playing ball and hanging around and doing the things normal kids didn't as I said as I said before like back in the day I hear you using that that, um, that saying but it, it, it was kind of that was the, the thing done then you know you mentioned playing ball uh, I know that you had a trial uh, over in Turkey curious to know when we rewind the clock to 8, 10, 12, 14 year old Andy what team was he imagined he was playing for when he scored a goal and celebrated Probably Leeds United. I'm still a Leeds United fan for my sins, and um, but I'll probably and more locally, I mean, the dock would have been my my hometown. I mean, I'm a big, huge League League of Ireland fan, and I would be a League of Ireland fan first before the Premier League. But uh, yeah, probably the dock or, or Leeds, one or the other. So you're a season ticket holder for Dundalk. Nice. I am indeed. Even when I can't get there, I still buy the season ticket. Awesome, awesome. You spent some time living in the UK. Um, I can see that you also spoke Italian in the past and potentially can still speak some of it let's pretend COVID doesn't exist or when COVID disappears what's the first country you're going to go and travel to probably Italy or Italy or France one or the other back to uh, Lille de Eslo which is a place we go to regularly for holidays it's up in the northeast coast just a half an hour outside Venice or Paris if it's myself and my wife just to do a bit of people watching on the Champs of Italy having a coffee or a tea Maybe that the sounds two yeah, amazing. it does, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. Well, you, I, I, I was, I was interesting to see whether you picked the US as well because I know you've got offices all across the world, and through my research, mm. you opened the US office last year, the year before. I'm sure you'll want to go there as well. Um, again, more research on you. Your favorite quote, and you may have changed your mind since then, is "Don't promise what you can't deliver, but deliver what you promise." How do you yeah. interpret that? Just don't ever overextend yourself like to a point whereby you're offering something that you can't deliver on um, because your reputation is everything. Um, <clears throat> I think I've said it before in a number of podcasts that I did over the years that um, you're only as good as your last job. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Ireland, people will tell plenty of people you've done a bad job before they tell plenty of people you've done a good job. Um, so, that, yeah, oh, kind of the, the company philosophy is built around that as well. So we will only tell people that this is what we can deliver on. And what we can deliver on, we will deliver really well. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I do want to get into Mac and Talent and all, and all that happens around there. 
But before we get to Mac and Talent, you spent some time in the Irish Navy, 21 years, if I'm correct. What were your yep. top lessons for dealing with people? I know you've spoken about this before, which is why I'm asking the question. <clears throat> yeah, well, ne- never judge a book by its cover would be the, the, the key one, because um, if you if you pick up on people's opinion of other people, you never really understand the person yourself. So I, I would be a big advocate for never judge a book by its cover. Get to know the person first before you make any judgments or, or snap calls. Um, mm. be, you know, get on with people. I, I mean, try and find ways to get on with people. It was, it was very prevalent in the, the Navy region when you'd be like 200 miles off the West Coast. You can't hold a grudge with anybody. Like you have to get on with these people. You're, you're out there for three or four weeks at a time, um. So you, you know, there's no point in holding grudges. Uh, as I said many times before, if you if you're out in the, out in the boats or you know boarding trawlers and you went into the water, you're potentially looking for a guy that you might have had a run in with to pull you out of the water. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's for me. I, I mean, I mentioned it before about the um experience I had in the hotel when I was in in the UK. Like just working with people and understanding the customers and understanding people in different parts of the organization within the hotel, that was pivotal for me, especially when I brought it into the Navy, because it just allows you to judge people and, and, and have a look and, like I said, not make snap judges, but people get into them yourself and then you make your own assumptions after that. Well, for those who aren't aware of that story, do you mind taking 30, 60 seconds to talk about the hotel story? Yeah, well, it's like I, was, I went over to, to Torquay in, in the south of England to, for a soccer trial when I was 18. Um, and I, it didn't work out. We were there for about you know, four to six weeks, pardon me. And it was a case of <clears throat> there was nothing in the dock at the time. So there was no point in going back over and try and look for a job because there literally was very few opportunities there. And I wasn't really qualified for anything, obviously, because as you mentioned and alluded to earlier on, I had left before um, I completed my leaving search just to help out with the, the family at home because my, my dad at the time wasn't working full time. So um, I got an opportunity. One of the guys that I that I was actually on the tribe but knew knew one of the owners of the hotel, or one of the managers, and said, "Look, they're actually looking for for people that are going to be recruiting shortly." So I put my name down. I got called up, and they trained me in, in as a silver service waiter. So I worked in the restaurants there, um, both the front restaurant, and the bar, and the, the main restaurant. Um, and I was there for probably nine, ten months until I actually got that second call to the navy to go back. But it was an interesting it was an interesting time because that was my first kind of real introduction to to working with people or working with the public. Um, and working with different characters from all walks of life. So you, you kind of have to learn fast. You learn on your feet mm. very quickly how to, how to treat people. And ultimately, for me, I just want to be treated um, like, you know, I expect to be treated myself. You know, like you treat, you treat other people that way. So that's, of that's my philosophy in that. In other interviews, when you mention the Navy, you talk about a John Wayne movie. I'm wondering, did that have any influence or inspiration into you actually applying to be part of the navy oh I, I i would definitely think so because i remember as a young boy watching that movie and i was like wouldn't that be a really cool thing to do mm. <laughs> it just like it was a perfect moment and i'd like to, I, I obviously i'd watched the whole movie but that was just the the end of it um and it probably just launched in my brain and and then you know obviously kept resurrected kind of six seven years later when, when, when the advertisements came up for the, um, the, the defense forces recruiting for the navy, so mm. I, I just thought it might be a, a, a good, a good and kind of cool thing to do. There was nobody in our family ever in the naval service, or there was no naval background on either side, my mother or my father. So it was, I, I was the first mariner, as they say. But um, yeah, I definitely think the movie had an influence. Yeah, yeah, you know, it is very cool. Something else you've said as well is that um, you would recommend for someone who's not sure what they want to do that they should 
I think it was five years, but that's because of uh, contracts. They should go into mm -hmm. the Navy or the Irish Army for a period of time to kind of, I'm guessing, understand themselves and their values. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it, it also, like as an 18 year old, I mean, I'm sure you can remember back, I can certainly remember back, I, I didn't really know much, I mean, like experiences in the world or wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. Um, and and definitely it kind of grounds you it gives you a bit of self-discipline it's drilled into you um, and I think that's invaluable I, I've definitely seen the 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 importance of it later on in my career to, to have that discipline and that, to have that kind of respect for yourself as well which I think is, is lacking in a lot of um, young people these days I mean they just they, they look at the world completely different than, than we probably do but I think just for yourself that element of self-discipline is huge and that's definitely mm. instilled in the military so I think I mean, if you're coming out of the, the defense forces at 23, you're really your career in your 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 actual career is really only starting then anyway. But you've just put five fantastic years behind you. It's got a yeah. great foundation, a building block for any young um, male or female that, that really isn't sure what they want to do. Plus, it opens up opportunities for you as well. Yeah, Leeds United, the Army, Dundalk FC. Um, we rewind to eight-year-old Andy. What was your dream job as an eight-year-old? Oh, a professional footballer, probably. <laughs> it was the one dream. Yeah, yeah, for Leeds United, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I'd have been happy probably just running the, the pitch in Oriel as well at, at that stage. But I think yeah, that was the kind of that, that was the one kind of big dream every kind of child around my age uh, had at that stage. Um, yeah, probably a professional footballer. Yeah, I can see that football uh, springs up many times throughout your life. Doing a uh, search on your social profiles. Uh, you sponsor Blarney United. You are the Tommy Johnson Cup winners in 1994. So, curious to know, what's one thing that a lot of people might not know about you that you're into? Um, I speak a little bit of Italian. I like to read. I like to, to keep in shape. I run a lot. Um, no, nothing. I'm, I'm your ordinary Joe Soap. I think green and loads of ways. I just try to keep it, keep in shape and mm. keep the old cobwebs off the ticker. Nice, nice. 2020 EY Entrepreneur of the Year finalist. For anyone considering putting themselves forward for the award, can you speak to them as to, you know, what are some of the benefits? Why should they, what should they look out for having been through it? Um, yeah, it was, it was an unusual program, obviously, because we, we did it mostly virtual. And mm. We heard from a lot of the other entrepreneurs that had gone through in previous years that uh, the retreats are supposed to be fantastic. There's some brilliant learning on them, yep. some brilliant events, but I look and, and that'll all come. I think for me as an individual and for the company, they, the, the profile it gives your company, it, it's like that rubber um, stamp, you know, the verification process, the external kind of third party guy coming in and saying, this is a top quality company. And um, I think for us that that was, and for me personally, that was, that was huge. I think anybody going into it or anybody considering it, um, definitely take the opportunity with, with, with open arms because um, you've got the guts of 600 alumni in there of the top best businesses and businessmen and women in the country. Um, and and do you, then, do obviously, you... uh, sorry, go on. Sorry. No, I was just uh, and like you've got a glo you've got a global kind of alumni then that that if you're expanding globally that you potentially could tap into as well. And I think it's just that network of people really that yeah, money can't buy that. Do you know what I mean? I think that just the, that exposure to you um, yeah. is is incredible, and I've de definitely enjoyed it so far. Only I have to say. 
Well, that, that was one of my questions, because the reason I asked the EY question is when I Googled your name, a lot of articles came up that brought me back to the EY Entrepreneur of the Year finalist nomination. So I assumed that there was a lot of press came with that and a lot of notoriety. And someone else that I've asked a question to in a previous podcast said that the biggest benefit to him was uh, to show his employees that the, that the work that they're, they're doing is paying off, but also to show their clients that they're working with the best out there. Um, but the secondary question I had for you was, it, do you become part of an alumni network where you can tap into previous finalists and winners as well? Yeah, I mean, once once you're a finalist, you, you're 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 automatically kind of brought into the alumni, um, and you have nice. other people within that organization then that you can potentially talk to or listen. I'm having a particular problem here, and this have you ever come across before? I think if you can tap into that kind of experience and um, that professionalism that these guys have is it's just yeah you couldn't you couldn't pay for that really you know yeah no absolutely absolutely we're both we're both part of a a group called magnate and curious to know is there any current book and the reason i'm asking this is because you're part of the group i'm assuming that you continue to invest in yourself is there any current book or podcast that you're listening or reading to at the moment um well i, I listen to yourselves but yourselves podcast which is i've only been introduced in over the last kind of seven or eight weeks which is good um, mm. I, Gary Fox from the Entrepreneur Experiment, and we'd listen to his. Yes. Uh, Connell O'Moran, that, that great business show was a very good one as well. Um, and then I'd have other stuff on demand, then the Ambitious Achievers, which would be a lot of kind of short, kind of based, inspirational, motivational kind of speeches. Um, Darren Hardy's podcast um, on his Darren Daily stuff, which is being like tidbits of information. But I try and keep it all positive. Um, and you know as much positive and inspirational stuff as i can get i i, I tend to stay away from the negative news yeah absolutely absolutely mac and talent before we jump into this do you want to take 30 seconds to tell people what mac and talent is yeah it's, it's basically it's a global um talent and recruitment company that spawned out from a project resourcing company that we started back in the u.s in about six, about six years ago um it was it came about actually from the EHS work that I was doing with a particular client in Dublin on an across the pond project um, with the US and it just kind of turned into something that I really never even thought it was going to be. When I said yes to the, the, that manager in, in, in the US um, for looking after two or three people from a little that I think like five and a half years later on that we would have 150 people globally turning over just under 16, 16 and a half million dollars last year. So Whoa. it's um, yeah, phenomenal. Uh, I couldn't have imagined it in my wildest dreams, the, the growth that we were going to have. So if I heard you correctly, you're six, six and a half years into this. And last year you mentioned six and a half, 16 and a half million turnover. Dollars, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. And yeah, 150. Just six years. Yeah, I think it's just 149, 150. In actual fact, I think it's probably going to want to go to 152, 153 this week because we've had a couple of hires in different locations. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been incredible. And, and it, it, again, it's just like it's saying yes to somebody, knowing that you're helping them out and doing your doing your client a service, but not really understanding where the potential could go at the time. Because I never look ahead like that. I mean, I'm always looking. If somebody asks me, Andy, can you do this? I will, again, you go back to don't promise what you can't deliver, but deliver what you promise. Mm. Can you manage these two guys? I said, look, I can. It's not what we do, but I'm happy to, you know, like we set up a small entity in the US and, and we look after the three guys for you. If you had to said to me then, you know, potentially, and you're going to have 120 people, 130 people in five years time. I'd have said, really? I don't think so. So it's, it's funny how it goes, you know. It's an amazing story, but at the same time, um, 
I'm, I'm conscious that if you say yes to too many things, you could dilute yourself. You might not, as you mentioned, be able to deliver to what you, what you promise. Um, so how did you make sure that while also saying yes to things that you could continue to deliver? Because you, you've obviously delivered with a $16.5 million turnover uh, last year in your sixth year. How do you make sure you don't um, uh, dilute or, or take on too many tasks or, or burn out? Yeah, well, that, that's a good question. So, so for for me, uh, at that time when we when we took the decision to to help out Steve, um, it was a case of I was only looking after three people, so that was going to have a huge impact on the on the health and safety business. And um, mm. but then subsequently, as the as the kind of year and a half, two years went on, we went from three to six, and then from six to eleven. And then it was a case of okay, we have to split these now two organisations and get. Uh, either get real on the Mac and Talent side and let, get mm. all the structure and everything in place for the EHS so that it, it continues to roll and that's ultimately what we did it was a case of we had to split the two because then you, you go into that whole area where you are diluting potentially the service that you're um, trying to deliver for your clients or you're pulling at different strings at different times that it's not going to be conducive to a really good product that you're trying to give um, so we made decisions split the split the company get up our Mac and Talent side of the business and then put the structure in place for that so then we're delivering on two separate goals only promising what we can deliver for those respective companies so that's 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 how we did that and what do you think short uh, you you've achieved great success in a short period of time what do you think is the key to being constantly being able to deliver on what you promise I, I spoke to uh, Paddy Finn from uh, Viotis last week mm. and one of the things that he said because his market is there, there's a lot of players in his market and I can imagine you, you, you're the same he said and I, the answer still kind of floats around in my head and I'm unsure about it is that he just outworks everyone in terms of the hours he puts in he puts in 18 to 20 hours days you know six days a week Um like, as I said, that's still kind of wrapping around in my head, uh, slightly confused by it, because um, I don't know if uh, the answers just work longer hours. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he had a, a, a bigger meaning to that. Same question to you. What do you think has led to such rapid success? Uh, well, I, I would think, like, I, I would agree to, with Paddy to a certain extent. I mean, definitely work ethic does come into it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the start, I definitely probably was doing 14, 16, 18 hours myself. Um, but eventually, like if you keep doing that, I mean, you, you, it's like burning the candle at both ends. You're gonna you're gonna burn mm. yourself out. Um, but there is there is a, an element of you know doing the right thing consistently on a consistent basis, being disciplined about it. Um, because eventually your competitors will drop the ball or they won't do what they're supposed to be doing. It's like, I mean, everybody looks at the the five minutes of fame that Bono has when he comes out on the stage and he sings his number one song or whatever. But they don't see all the graft behind, you know, the, the 290 days in a bus that he's traveling around or touring, or in the early days, that kind of stuff. So nobody sees the hard work. So like nobody, mm. nobody sees me getting up at half four or five o'clock in the morning and, and meditating for 20 minutes, reading my book for half an hour, going for my three to five k run, whatever it may be. Nobody sees that. It's done. That's done behind the scenes. Nobody sees a lot of the hours that I put in the office, like from nine and a half nine in the morning when I get into the office, I might do a couple of calls at home first walk away till maybe half five, six o'clock, go home, have a bite of dinner, or go back on the laptop, go onto the US, walk away till about 10 or half 10, and then I'll meditate. But nobody sees all that stuff. But they see you on an article in the Sunday Times of the Business Post, and they go, oh yeah, that's that's a great life. But like, I'm doing all the mundane stuff 
every day, Monday to Friday, probably half day on a Saturday, if not a little bit more, every single week, every single month, every single year. And I think that's where I would link back to Paddy's point. I mean, it's the consistency, just being consistent on a regular basis. And it's the old, you know, the rabbit and the tortoise. I mean, if you're consistent over time, the, the hare will win the race or the rabbit or the tortoise will win the race every time. Yeah, I guess my, my, my point that I was making with Paddy and I, I, I love the interview, great guy, is is not, and, and he's achieved success, but it wasn't just down to the 18 hours a day he put in. Anyone can work for 18 hours a day. It's making mm-hmm. sure you, you do the right things. So the second question to you is, I call it a cookbook where I have a list of kind of must do daily things that I do every single day to keep my pipeline healthy, bring me closer to my short, medium and long-term goals. Do you have one of those? It might not be called a yep. cookbook in your world. And if so, what's in your daily cookbook? Um, it could be anything. I mean, it could be literally, it could be one project that I have to work on for three or four hours of the day. It could be a bit of research involved in that. It would, it would be complete that at all, at all costs. Mm-hmm. And if, if, it, if it's not done in the day, I come back and it's a following morning and I finish it, put it away, it's done. And then I move on to my next thing. The next thing could be two or three small items that might take me half an hour, 45 minutes to do. Um, but I, I, I have a planning sheet that I use on a Sunday. I have four, four boxes. The first box is absolutely priority, has to be completed this week. Second box is, yeah, look, it's important, but not as important as box one. And three and four are just down the priority list. Technically, usually anything in four never really makes it on to three, two, or one because they're not that important in the first place yeah. if, they're, if they're down that far. Um, and I just try and do that on a consistent basis every week then, really. So it's, yeah, I can see what Paddy's doing. Like, it's just like, be consistent. But it's back to be consistent. Do, like, yeah. do what you have to do. Do all the mundane stuff that a lot of people just don't like doing, but you have to do. Agreed. Uh, being gutsy five minutes at a time is what someone told me. You know, you, you're being gutsy five minutes at a time, six times a day, is uh, what they call their secret to success. Um, yeah. You said in, a, in another interview that you you try to take an hour lunch every day, but at minimum you take 30 minutes. Why is yeah. that so important to you? Because I think if you don't, you're, you're not replenishing the body, number one, with a bit of nutrients to, to keep you going for the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like you, we, we all have done no lunch on a day, and we, I'm guilty of that myself, but by and large, I think that catches up catches up to you as well. If, if, if you're trying to live a, a, a healthy lifestyle, you're going to have a healthy body. And if you've got a healthy body, you've got a healthy mind. If you've got a healthy mind, you've got a good business going because they're all interlinked to give you the final product, which is you as an individual. So if you're going to be cutting corners and eating crap food and not taking a proper lunch, not sleeping proper, not looking after yourself, okay, it's not going to make a difference this week or next week or next month or in six months' time, but it will make a difference in a year or two years' time when you're high blood pressure, potentially heart problems, you know, stress. So it, it's a combination of a lot of things. But I, yeah, I, I would try it at a minimum. I had 45 minutes today, Rain, you'll be happy to know. <laughs> Excellent. But uh, Excellent. I, I try minimum to have at least 30 minutes uh, for lunch. It's just I to mean, the recent breathe, breathe as well, you know? No, no, I'm in complete agreement with you on this. Um, if, I, if I backtrack to uh, early November last year, um. Lockdown had me drinking more than I would usually drink. Uh, wasn't exercising anymore. My sleep was off, and I, everything was kind of off. And one thing impacted another thing. And and I I mm. started working with a coach who the first priority was to get my sleep back on track, and rhythm track. and order. Then you then get the right nutrition, and we one thing at a time, one at a time, one at a time. Now now I'm my my sleep is on track. Um and 
I leave the office. I'm a 12 minute walk from my apartment. I leave the office, 12 minute walk, listen to a podcast, go home for lunch and come back. And I can see the difference from, as I've kept a diary from, you know, October, November rain to February, March rain is, is completely yeah. wildly different in just terms of um, more produ- uh, uh, productive, higher levels of energy in the morning, last longer yeah. throughout the day. So yeah, no, I'm in a complete agreement. There's, I don't see many people speak about the importance of taking time in the day to kind of replenish or restock your, your, your energy levels. So it made me smile when, when, I, when I heard that, because there's a lot of talk around this um, hustle culture. And again, it brings back to the, like, there's nothing wrong with working 18, 16 hours a day at the start. I've done it. Uh, I'll continue to do it. It's making sure that you're smart about what you do as well at the same mm-hmm. time. You've expanded globally. You mentioned you'll, you'll, you'll hit over 150 employees this week, if not 152. Uh, so you're continuing to hire. I went onto your company LinkedIn page and I saw the number of people you're hiring as well. Uh, you're in not just different countries, but different continents. What are, like, what are the plans for the next five to 10 years? Is it just explosive growth, continue to hire, continue to open up offices in new countries? I know it was a Connecticut you opened an office in last year. Oh yeah, we opened five offices in the US last year. Connecticut was, was the last one in in, wow. um, in June or July. So we opened we opened offices in Portland, Oregon, Austin, Texas, uh, Charlotte and Raleigh in North Carolina, um, uh, Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, and Hartford, Connecticut, last year. That's impressive. The plans for this year, yeah. The plans wow. for this year is to open an office in um, in Singapore. We're hoping that that'll be open in, in the next kind of uh, kind of four to six weeks. Um, potentially looking at opening an office in Sydney towards the end of the year. That can really depend on one or two global projects that we're working on now with, with a particular client that is looking to expand. And they've asked us that they, you know, could be potentially support them if they do expand. So we'll, we'll see if that goes. Um, and we probably open an office in, in, in Colorado, uh, Denver, Colorado this year as well. So just two offices this year, I think potentially three. You, you, you talk about all these offices and, and, and hats off, kudos to you that you're opening, but the world's gone virtual. Um, I can only make the assumption that you're opening these offices so there's people able to work the hours that you are outside of the office. What other advantages are there, speak to the audience here, of opening offices in, in, in other countries, considering that now the, the world has gone virtual? Well, I think when I say offices now, Ian, like we've, we've had nobody, well, bar, say Portland and Austin, we've, we had no boost in the ground in, in military offices. But it's it's just your stake within the within the state, your, your postcode. Gotcha. Your people know you are. They can they can ping you. Your your website is linked to that. So it's just it's just having that kind of anchor that you you have there. Yeah. Like most of the offices that we have now are one to three three man offices. Then like everybody is working from home. But we will eventually look at a, a, a at offices where people are moving back. It will be virtual. It will be virtual for a long time. But I think what you'll see over that what would definitely what we're seeing as trends that have been progressing for the last couple of years is that blended workforce where you'll have people working two days at home and maybe three days in the office or three days at home and two days in the office. And um, because ultimately we are social creatures at the end of the day and people like that interaction in some way, shape or form. So companies will, will still want to have people in the office, just maybe not the, not the same amount of people in the office at the same time. Bingo. That was one of my questions I had for you here, the blended approach. Your, I can assume that your day-to-day calendar for a work, typical working day in 2019 is different than your day-to-day calendar for 2021. What aspects that you may have introduced in 2020 when the world went virtual are you going to keep as we go forward into 
2022 and beyond. Yeah, with the, the blended workforce definitely Rain will stay. We we actually did that actually towards the was it August September of 2019 where we actually implemented that in, in our office anyway here in, in Cork the head office. So we had guys working two days at home and three days in the office, and we we seen a huge boost in productivity actually from people just the fact that they could have that bit of um balance. Um, yeah. um, which was great, you know. So we 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 kind of rolled it out then to the other offices in in, in the global locations that we, we started splitting it up where people could work, you know, like whatever they wanted to do two days or three days, just do just do a split over a two week period and roll that along. So when the whole pandemic hit then in 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 March of last year, we were probably in a good place in terms of actually being able to roll it out really really quickly because people were were kind of had got used to working from home for those couple of days a week anyway. We had all the equipment with everybody, so they all had their laptops and their 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 monitors and bits and pieces at home anyway, and they had kind of desk, work desk spaces set up. Um, so I think bar, I think about a three or four week period where we were kind of saying, geez, is this real? Is this really happening? You know, it kind of was like that rabbit in the headlights mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, after that, we kind of, we, we just flew, we flew from there. And really, I think, I think when we look back, I think we were 25% up on last year on, on 2019. And January this year, we're 25% up in January this time last year. So Wow. Um, it's it's just how you work. It's how you're working and get the best value out of it. And you know, if everybody buys into that, I think it, it it's a win win for everybody. Then, what are your specific uh, targets, plans uh, for as as a CEO for the rest of 2021? I know you've spoken about uh, opening different offices, additional offices, mm-hmm. hiring. I'm sure you're involved in both of them to an extent. But what are your specific plans? Um, for, for as an individual or as the CEO of the business? A CEO of the business. Yeah, um, ultimately for me, I, I want to make sure that the revenues keep going because obviously the, the more revenue you have, the more you can do with the business. And um, we mm-hmm. don't have any any debt any debt within the company. So um, any of the growth nice. we've had over the years, we, we haven't taken any um, any finance from anybody. So I own 100% of the business, which which is always a good thing. Um, that might change in the future, depending on where we want to go with the growth. But for, for the time being, it's, it's grow revenue. So our target last year was 20, uh, 20 million. But obviously with COVID, that, that did hit, even though we, we did better than 2019. So the the kind of target we have for this year is, is, is 25 million. I think, though, realistically, if we get to 20, 21 million, again, with, with COVID, um, we, we'll be doing well. But I, I tried to aim higher and, and come in still above where we are i think les brown had a great saying always always shoot for the moon if you miss the moon then you can still land you still land in the stars so it's um yeah just kind of push yourself push push myself and push the, the, the company as best i can um and, and just kind of yeah just go with it from that i think that that creates other opportunities then for the business and we are looking at potentially one or two acquisitions this year as well which could potentially change that uh, as well um our, our, our kind of goals over the next five years would be uh to be at 75 million out of 2025 and 150 million by, by 2030. So Amazing. how we shape it, how we shape it around that then will depend on on those things. But like yeah, acquisitions always add an extra layer to to how you're doing it brings with it some headaches, obviously, you know, getting it and bringing it under the Mac and folds. But I mean, I think potentially it has huge upside for the business as well. Yeah, amazing. It makes me smile to see Irish companies uh which similar to yours uh, are growing at such a rapid rate there's um original is another software company based in dublin that they're growing at a rapid rate as well um they've gone uh insane right and and they're aiming for 100 million at a similar time frame 
that you are as well. Um, have you got any mentors yourself that you look up to? I know earlier on in this interview, we referenced a Richard Branson. I think it was a Richard Branson quote. Curious to know, who do you look up to as you, your mentors? Yeah, I, I, I followed a guy called Darren Hardy in the US for a while now. I've done one or two of the programs that he has. He was the owner and the success, uh, the owner and editor of Success Magazine in the US for over 25 years. Oh, Ran a number nice. of different businesses, but he's, he's interviewed probably every billionaire and every multimillionaire for, for, the, for the magazine. So mm. he had a lot of insight into how they do things, their, what drives them. And he kind of imparts those little bit of tidbits of information on a regular basis. So I would, de- I would definitely consider him as a mentor. Um, okay. And probably the most impactful, the most impactful book I've read would be his book, The Compound Effect. Again, it just talks about being consistent and doing the simple things well and doing them right and doing them consistent over time, and you, you'll you'll beat your competition eventually. I'll, I'll I'll put a link down to that below. And it sounds like if you continue to have the success that you're having, you might need to come out with a uh, book yourself one day. I'm writing one at the moment, Reem. Amazing, amazing. And again, it goes back to that little consistent thing. I mean, I put 30 minutes in my calendar every day to write and I only write for 30 minutes, whether it's yeah, yeah. 20 words or 200 words, I write and that's it. And I, you know, in 12 months time or 18 months time, I'll have the remnants of a draft of something. But it was just something I always said I'd do at some stage. It's kind of a, a bit about, it'd be a bit, a bit, a bit about me and a bit, a bit of self-help and a bit of motivation and stuff all growing it. Because I think if you can impart any little bit of inspiration or, motivation to anybody that can help them along the way um i think it's that that's that's your kind of purpose in life really isn't it to help others agreed when it does come out drop me a message if if i don't see you post about it which i'm sure you will and you can stick me down for 10 copies <laughs> thanks very much sir <laughs> no worries um so again we're going to pretend COVID has disappeared or we'll fast forward a year from now and dundalk fc are back in their home stadium playing a game and andy says brilliant I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Friday off and I'm going up to watch Dundalk play. Dundalk win 4-0, great game. After the game, you're walking back to your car and a 20-year-old shouts your name and says, hey, Andy, you turn around, you don't know who he is, but he starts talking to you and says, I've been watching a lot of what you're doing and I, I know you come here. And although you went to the unofficial capital of Ireland and we'll forgive you for that, <laughs> what what piece of one piece of advice would you give to a 20 year old who's unsure of what they want to do. Um, yeah, I suppose I'll, I, I, I'll leave it as, 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 as open as that. As open as that. Yeah. I, I think if, if, if you're meeting an individual Ian, that doesn't really know what he wants to do. Um, I, I would definitely offer some time to maybe sit down and have a chat with them and just explore it out with them. Cause I think that's, you could have a really positive impact on somebody. If somebody has mm. a business idea or, or, or something, I would say, look, just start the business. Like don't, just believe in yourself like don't don't let the the naysayers drag you down because ultimately like and i always said it before i mean your loved ones are probably the, the closest people to you they're probably the most critical of you making yeah. any success of yourself because they said jesus no, you're taking an awful risk don't be doing that but i mean if you don't believe in yourself you, you'll never do anything you know and it, it's like i said before i mean it's the it's as you know the it's as cans will do is if you, like, all of these things if you if you take too much heat and you'll just never start a business or you'll never do what you want to do or never follow your dream you know so just believe in yourself i think that's the if i could say to any young fella or any young girl who's, who's thinking about or unsure just believe in yourself if you have that little still small voice that comes to you every now and then and it's saying this is what you should be doing you know, lean into that and then just go with it and just believe in it 
Awesome advice. Uh, I I also hope that in eighteen months time from now that Dundalk do win four 0 whoever whoever they are playing. Um, but we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Andrew, uh, Andy Mackin, CEO of Mackin Talent. Thank you very much for being my guest today. It's an absolute pleasure, Ian. Thanks very much for having me.